0: Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, we are turning our spotlight up even brighter on what we think is one of the biggest trends in retail right now, and that is the use of robotics, and AI, in retail for Today, we are joined by Bill Stanger, the Director of Food Solutions for Knot. Bill, welcome to the show.
1: I'm really glad to be here. I know we've been trying now for months and months to come together, so glad we finally made it happen.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. I think we've known, God, we've probably known each other or been in contact with each other probably going on almost like a year and a half, two years now. And the reason for that is you guys are the key partner in uh, what Takeoff Technology is doing around micro-fulfillment.
1: That is uh, indeed correct. It has been quite a journey with those, those guys and... Uh, it's been it's been a fun road. I mean, it's been for me four years with them, and um, you know we have become the exclusive partner with uh, with Takeo for the automation and robotics uh, for their micro fulfillment.
0: And Ann, yeah, Anne and I have seen the facility now. I think twice in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, once with you. Uh, we've been we've attended your conference as well, Canop's conference uh, down in Florida as well last year. Tell us a little bit. What is Canop? Let's start there. Like let's go thirty thousand foot view. You know what? Who is Canop as a company? What do they specialize sure. in? Why are they such an important part of this overall conversation for retail?
1: Uh, I think for us, uh, the best way to describe what we do, primarily a focus in wholesale uh, pharmaceutical distribution. Um, that led to uh, a need for filling uh, patient orders rapidly from uh, in close to city centers. Uh, the problem in Europe, as we're all aware, is land is quite expensive, so it led to the development of our, our, our OSR shuttle. Uh, product, which is a order storage and retrieval robot, effectively, that went to, went to market about 18 years ago. Okay. Um, so the evolution was we needed to have a product to serve patients uh, rapidly with with their scripts. Uh, additionally, the software behind that, and then from there, the business evolved into uh, what it is today, which is a, the global leader in goods to person technology and software uh, that services healthcare, retail food industry and so forth
0: and you mentioned a word there too that i think is important uh, that i want to double click into shuttle Mm -hmm. we have a lot of different listeners on our program from all walks of life in retail and from other industries too what what is a shuttle like if you can actually unwrap that unpackage that for people when people say that word in the context of robotics what does that really
1: mean so in the past i think the original uh, methodology was they called it mini load which is a crane that goes up and down an aisle uh so Almost 20 years ago, um, the team said that there's, you know, there's challenges with that technology as it relates hmm. to if you have a, a failure of a, a mechanical component, you lose that entire inventory, right? So the idea was build these small robotic shuttles on every single level to retrieve totes. Okay. Uh, and in the event of a failure of a particular shuttle robot, you don't lose access. Uh, order fulfillment for that entire aisle Mm. whereas that was the main driver for say the development of the technology and over the course of time it also lends to the uh, maximizing of of throughput uh, of the system and it allows to the the lift mechanism be let's say utilized more effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. And so. I've seen that in opera- I've seen that in operation mm-hmm. at, S- at Sedanos, right? Where yep. essentially it's these layers of robotics that are running through and, and picking the product and yep. trying to maximize that throughput uh, on those levels.
1: Yeah, it's funny that's in that that, um, <clears throat> that scale. That's, that's those are about thirty of those of those uh, shuttles running just in one in that Sedano site. But and the reality is, there's probably almost going on forty thousand of these little guys running around the world right now. So in the scale of things, they're, they're, they're quite small. But it's a very right. important part of what we do. But a very important part of what you do.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, because what you guys do is, is incredibly important, at least I think so. And I've been on record as saying I think the concept of micro-fulfillment in grocery is probably going to only expand. Mm-hmm. I even feel now like I've can been conservative in my predictions. I've said three to four-fold this year. My is it might even be bigger than that in terms of the number of implementations that are going to happen. But from your perspective, what is happening in the grocery industry? What have we seen over the past few years? What do you think is going to happen next?
1: So I think the landscape is is evolving quite rapidly. Um, you know, the, you have a, a different generation of shoppers beginning to enter the uh, the space that is doing a more frequent grocery shopping. Um, we are increasingly more busy in our lives as you mm-hmm. see more and more, let's say, dual income families. In my opinion, that are um, also having families and you want to try and I'm sure you can probably <laughs> attest to this. It's 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 you want to do the things that you enjoy to do and not uh, focus on things like grocery shopping as it exists today, right?
0: <laughs> we want a podcast at 7.30 in the morning when we're together in Minneapolis, <laughs> of
1: course. It, <laughs>
0: what can we do to make that happen? Exactly. A, a
1: exactly. So, you know, there's nothing more powerful than, than saving time and money and be able to focus on those things, in my opinion. Um And I think that as grocery exists today, it's not a destination experience. A lot of what you do at like Third House here, I feel like you're focusing on the the experience. You talk about like Lululemon, for instance, I remember recently. And I think that that's kind of where I see the future of, of the space going and, uh, making grocery shopping a, a destination for a coffee shop, maybe a bar or a wine. And while robots are picking, uh, say, the center store for you, and you can even have the time to go pick your you know, your perishables and specialty meats. So I think there's going to be an evolution occurring in, in the space question is, when, when will it officially happen?
0: Right, to what degree, right? And I think, you know, what, what are the impact on the economics of the business model for grocers as they try to grapple with that question? Like, how do you, how do you guys think about what Knob can do and the solutions you guys can provide? How do you think about it in that context in terms of the business model evolution of grocery yep. and what robotics allow or afford retailers the opportunity to do mm-hmm. if it's thought about in the right way?
1: You know, it, it, it's funny. We, you know, we have been in the e-commerce grocery business for quite some time. I mean, it's in, in Spain, uh, in France, and, and and in Korea now, and when these are very, uh, say, established markets for e-grocery, e- and centralized fulfillment has been a very uh, key part to uh, to to maximize the the, the let's say the. Uh, maximize the productivity um, and then you know we never really solve for the last mile, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then this crazy idea of my friends from Takeoff about <laughs> you know, after spending the few years with McMounts and uh, at HBS trying to <laughs> solve for the last mile, right? You know, right? The next evolution of grocery and now what we find is this hybrid methodology of you know there makes sense for centralized, it makes sense for a, a smaller centralized and it makes sense for hyperlocal micro-fulfillment Um, But I can tell you, it was a journey to get people to buy into it uh, from from our organization and and other companies, I know, because you're taking away what we do, right? We we do big, complex, expensive warehouse Mm -hmm. automation, and now Mm -hmm. we're saying, let's go build a bunch of small ones and hope that these guys are right.
0: Right. Break that out for the audience, too, because I think what you said there's incredibly important. And, and you'll read the stories in the media about like, OK, there's this Im- new implementation here. There's this new implementation there. But there are diff- definitely different schools of thought about how the evolution of grocery can transpire, um, yeah. whether it's hyperlocal, whether it's centralized. Break it down for us. What are the options and what are the different kinds of puts and takes with those as people are trying to look at them?
1: You know, I think um it's, if I had a crystal ball, it would be wonderful. But I think right now what I've seen in even the last year, right. um, it's been such a, uh, a, a an amazing experience to be part of this, to be the center of it. But So what I think is happening right now is you're seeing um, retailers responding to the Amazon Whole Foods um, coming together mm. uh, for f- fear purposes. Uh, however, that you know, I don't think retailers really know what the adoption rate will look like in the U.S. for e-grocery. I think you know, uh, I take conservative. You could say it's three and a half percent. Some will say it's closer to five. Right. You know, I'm you know, I'm leaning probably closer to like four to four and a half percent adoption, right. which is still very much trailing behind what we're seeing in, in Europe and Asia. Right.
0: Still small. Yeah, it's definitely not commonplace. I
1: think in in everyone's. Life so I th- so point. I think it's really hard for retailers to say I'm going to completely revamp my supply chain and focus on one technology or one type of solution.
0: One specific way.
1: Correct, correct, and so I think that um, you know, up to this point, the manual um, either the, the retailer or the third party picking in store and home delivery has been the most easy, rapid way to get to market and allow for retailers to compete in the space. I think in the the long term, it's going to be challenging because mm-hmm. um, the retailers, and uh, if using a third party, are giving up the the customer experience and the data, right. right. And I think it's an extremely important piece of the equation, and that's why I think you're seeing like WalMarts and the Krogers and Targets are trying to take on and own more of that last mile with their own their own people. And, and obviously, it's an incredible important piece of the puzzle with Instacart. I think it's amazing what mm-hmm. they've done over the, the the last few years. But um, and why
0: the experience? You mentioned the experience. Like, why do they the data the data part? I think you know we've talked about a few times. But too, I think the other part that gets lost is what you said the customer experience. Like, why is that still something so important to think about even with those services? Like, how do you, what are the implications of customer service if that model used to take hold versus, say, other options that I you mean, want to it, talk it, about?
1: I mean, the UI. I mean, you're not going through the a uh, uh, Kroger or Walmart's page, you're going through like the Instacart page, and mm. I think they immediately own you from that, that that moment, right? Right. And they are tracking your experience. So, you know, I think Kroger. It's uh, off platform. It sits through that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean well, I live in Atlanta. Kroger's a, a big s- staple as well as Publix, and you know, Kroger has done a great job from their uh, their Kroger pickup standpoint but uh it's not always uh convenient for us uh from a, from a not having the delivery aspect down so instacart you know in our for our family's case having a little kid makes a lot of sense right mm-hmm. and then as the i us say the micro fulfillment conversation has you know is kind of picking up gaining steam i think that um it's gonna it's gonna further evolve but you know back to your earlier question i think what is the what is what's driving what's happening I, and i think you will see a clear multi-tiered uh, approach okay. depending upon uh, how established the e-grocery business is in that particular market, Market, um, okay. the geography, um, obviously the demographic. And I believe what will happen is um, automating on a store level will start to make a lot of sense once the, the financials are absolutely proven out. I think that that's, that's well on its way in the next 12 months. I think there's going to be a major headway um, you know, it's no secret that, that, that Takeoff has been quite successful in uh, building some very strategic partnerships with, you know, uh, Sedano's initially, uh, Ajo Del Hayes, Wakefern, uh, Albertsons, Love Laws. Uh, you saw Woolworths. You saw the recent announcement this week on Carrefour. And, yes. Which is which is a big deal. That's a big deal, yep. I mean, so you're seeing – they're seeing movement. People are seeing the value, and I think that the financials are starting to – are starting to, to show uh, what – takeoff has been promising mm-hmm. and even even if the financials aren't even as good as what they originally thought it's still better than, than losing money and making more money than a traditional you know grocery transaction
0: right through the other options and I think and, and I think for those two just to, to, to put a pin on exactly kind of what the concept of micro fulfillment is essentially you know the way I think of it is it's you know hey let's co-locate a warehouse style automated facility on site or as close as possible to a retailer in general in principle uh, the idea is that with e grocery coming like you say Uh, you don't need as much space in the store. Devote some of that space to capabilities and processes that you know are tried and true in terms of how picking and packing can get done. And then, oh, by the way, you're closer to the customer from a last-mile delivery perspective. And so, certain markets, like you have said, like you've used examples in Europe, certain markets lend themselves to that style of thing. What are some What are some of those characteristics of the markets here in the U.S. Uh, from a retail standpoint that are ideal for that type of thought process mm-hmm. uh, for retailers to start deploying?
1: I think um, the the hub and spoke methodology, which is what we 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 believe in, um, you don't need to build a automated store in every single store that you can support you know, typically uh, uh, a traditional mfc is able to process about 30 million a year in uh in actual orders right right um and that typically on on average can probably sustain about four to five stores per per uh per mfc or local fulfillment model um, but again as the as the business grows um that it, there, there's, a, there's a financial piece that may make more sense to do maybe a uh, – I'm calling it like an urban CFC, mm-hmm, which would okay. be like uh, – say, let's say that the MFC does 500 orders. An urban uh, MFC, urban CFC is going to do, uh, say, 5,000 orders. And then you have the CFC. Um, I'm, on the CFC, I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of uh, available existing distribution network. Uh, for retailers today that's been really well thought out right um, and about the placement of those facilities mm-hmm. and you know with some of the advancements that we're seeing the technology space could lend to now this this omni-flexible um, central fulfillment that allows you to do store replenishment and e-commerce fulfillment out of a centralized warehouse getting the maximum productivity uh, yes, there's a last mile challenge there, but again, it really comes down to what the, the business is demanding, right, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I, I clearly see that this is, these are the three methodologies that will kind of build the future supply chain for, for, for grocery I,
0: and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's a complementary tool. And then even that point about the last mothics relationship, really too, because there's still a whole host of ways to attack that part of the question, which is separate from still how do you do the picking and packing and where is it most efficient. Whether it's last mile delivery or some type of locker solution or some type of hybrid solution off of all those concepts, there's still so much you know, ground to, to be understood within that game that it's going to be interesting to see. And this type of solution just enables you to do that type of experimentation. But well, let's turn more to that then. Let's let's talk specifically. You mentioned a little bit in terms of, I think you said you've known the takeoff guys for now four years. Tell us as much as you can about that. Like, how did that all come about? What is kind of, what is the secret sauce in, in your mind in terms of what Canops doing, how you guys are working together, and, and how you guys plan to basically uh, attack the market here in 2020?
1: Yeah, you know, so back uh, four years ago, uh, Jose Vincent and his founders of Takeoff Technologies went to market. It wasn't just a pure, uh, hey, Canop, what can you do for me? Like, we actually had to earn uh, the spot. It got down to a couple different companies. And, you know, when it, what when it, when it, when it shook down to, one, one was relationship. I mean, I think there was a, immediately, a, you know, we're still a privately held company. We're one of the last few remaining in the space, uh, family-owned largely. Okay. and uh so we had this this bond so to speak with these this this family type of company I mean, they, they, the gentlemen come from Venezuela uh they all know each other it's it's about family it's about the bond right
0: well and you were telling me before like this started as like hallway conversations while these like, Jose was in business school with, yeah. with, with I think, who, so who Max Max Pedro, and, okay. I, and I think,
1: and I believe Mick Mounts was in was in their HBS okay. class as okay. well. Um, I can't get 100% And who's that. he again? He's... Uh, he was the founder of Kiva okay. that had sold to Amazon okay. for, I think, was like $780 million for the yeah. Kiva. Yeah,
0: he did not, he did go, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty. and so they were just hanging out. Like, yeah, so right. they're
1: like, okay, look, we know that, like, the last evolution in grocery occurred, like, with Piggly Wiggly 100 years yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> they when, love and, talking about that. When you make the, you make the consumer do the shopping in their home delivery. Yeah, it was a great idea. Right right. ahead of its time, <laughs> right? right? They, they're, they're warehouse pickers basically. Yep. yep. But they, but they knew like you know with this the, this digitalization of how consumers are shopping that something had to change. Right. And so this this journey began began well before even you know Amazon entered the space with the Whole Food uh, acquisition, and so they're evaluating these technologies. There's you know in, in my opinion there's about four or five different types of of, of focal points from. Fulfillments. You have mobile robotics like AGV, AMRs. Okay. Uh, mini load old the cranes that we saw in the past. I was mentioning earlier about you yep. know the cranes and some of the limitations that we we saw uh, when we were developing the shuttle. Uh, the hives, uh, which you're seeing some people now that are jumping on with some other technologies that are uh, in the space today. These these quote unquote hive technologies. Right. Uh, very very interesting concepts. How do those work? Uh, so there's two different. Trains of thought one is a hive. There's these bots are running on top of uh, racking or okay. inside the racking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've seen the the Kroger Ocado, uh, the Ocado videos trip. so mm-hmm. it's similar to that. There's a couple other companies as well that are startup that are that are trying to uh, enter the space. I think that um, in the automation world, if if you're not part of this this conversation, then uh, you're, you're going to have a, a, a challenge because okay. this is. I think this again is a big part of the future supply chain and even beyond grocery. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, I think. You know, they evaluate the pros and cons, and what it came down to was the ability to go to market rapidly, the reputation, um, the working relationship between the two companies. And they were very good salespeople, Then they were able to, let's say, get exclusive rights to the technology for, for North America. Oh, okay. Um, so we, uh, we have now been exclusive with them for uh, geez, almost I guess two years now officially, and uh, the relationship's been, been wonderful, uh, mutually beneficial. You know they're 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 all over the news. They're they're really making uh, major endways with with all the the retailers on a global scale, and you have the Cannot brand that is, is is well known in the space. So really a great a great balance. But you know one of the things I I say that they are are truly remarkable is what they've built. Right, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of retailers that come from the space. You got walmart executive you got a grocer from south america you've got investors that are in the the food space you've got education from harvard from mit i mean they have one of the most impressive benches of 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 a a team i've seen in a very very long Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and um you know they're focused on being an end-to-end software company and i think that's that's something that is, is special about them and a differentiator. And something that's underestimated by the retailers. I think that yeah, Kanop could go and we could build something, but I'm going to need thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of development, and uh, build a software package specific. But I don't know retail like these guys know retail on a local level. Right. So you let Takeoff do what they do really well, which is the end end software that interfaces with the retailer and, and our technology. You let the retailer do what they do, and that's the customer experience. And you let Kanop do well and that is robotics automation and technology advancement to further maximize the productivity of these these automated facilities Mm -hmm. so um as people try to uh embark on this journey they must not underestimate the importance of of the software piece of the equation and that's what makes them special
0: i love that you said that because i think there's two important things here right i think for people that are listening if you're thinking about evaluating this type of solution there's there's one, what is the tried and true technology for the use that you want to use for the use case for which you're going to deploy that technology? And I want to talk about that more. But the second part, which is really important, is you also have to fit it into the right context. And that's where the software development and working with people that get retail, that understand retail, are honing it over time for all the different use cases that people are probably going to encounter. Those two pieces have to be thought of together. Correct. Otherwise, you're trying to bolt something in, and that's not going to work. So, right. I want. I do want to hit back on that though. So then, from the standpoint of Canop and what your technology does within that construct, why were you guys the right partner for Takeoff and what they're trying to do? What is what is the special sauce that you bring to the equation as you're trying to figure out? How do we fit hyper local fulfillment centers into five to ten thousand square feet of retail space throughout the U.S. or even the world?
1: It, it, it was really funny. I can't tell you how many trips we took to Europe and Asia <laughs> together. <laughs> right? And you know, you're sitting here. They're trying to sell a vision, right? To oh these yeah. Retailers. I, can't, I can't even imagine. And it's like, hey, I want you to go and spend this money on this idea that we have. We think it's going to work, and here's why. And the best way to do it was let's take you to existing e-commerce grocery fulfillment. Right. And let you see it firsthand. And just here's here's the technology. Here's the core tech. Now just scale it down. Yeah, right. Shrink right? it. Yeah, no, totally. So like we were, I mean, I mean, Jose and I, we traveled to Spain, to to France, to to Korea together with different retailers, yeah. trying to sell this vision. It's like, take
0: this sailboat and put it in a glass <laughs> bottle, right? Like that. I mean, that, it, it's impressive. But but about. I think
1: that was a huge part, and I think yeah. that was something that Canop was willing to, let's say, share that experience with with them and help them share the, 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 the create the vision, uh, and let let retailer executives put their hands on the technology. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge piece that really forged our relationship forward, in my opinion. And from a scale perspective, give to, for because there's
0: a lot of startups out there in this space. You know, and there's a lot of even companies that are new, but still on the startup side of things. Um, but you guys, like you said, you've been around for a long time. How do you think about that as an advantage for you in terms of just the amount of R and D that you guys spend, mm-hmm. how much resources you put towards product development, and trying to work out the kinks, both in terms of how the product evolves, but then also I think another key part of this is, you know, how do you service the product every single day as it's out in market?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, when we've talked offline. You know, that our, our investments into research and development are, are quite substantial. You know, we're over a billion dollar company, and about seven percent of our. Uh, of our spend each year is in R&D and product development, not wow. not project development, right? Right. And so it allows us to focus on advancements. And you know we we've we've pursued so many different types of concepts and ideas from technology perspective. And we've bought companies that uh, we thought kind of were at the forefront. We, you know, we're very good at buying pieces uh, companies that uh, complement our our current portfolio. Uh, don't transform our company. It's 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 bits and bytes, so to speak. And, you know, we've spent, geez, like I said, the, the, even the, the OSR shuttle, for instance, has been running for 18 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in, like, I guess we're probably the fourth iteration. And the latest one now was the OSR Evo, uh, which now okay. w- allows us to be even more flexible and scalable. And that helps with micro-fulfillment, but it's even more uh, valuable for the centralized fulfillment methodology as you have this uh, business that can either expand and contract from a digital or from a replenishment perspective. So, um you know, you have uh, investments in software uh, interface. You have investments in the the AMR, the r- mobile robotics, and you know f- that's not something that would be possible for takeoff to do on their own and with their own in-house technology, right? And that's something that you know Jose has been very adamant about. Yeah, I could go and try and build my own stuff, but it would be very expensive and very timely. Why would I not capitalize on the on my partnership with with Canop? Um, you know, we're we're live now uh, with the. F- first five sites are up and running the right next two are coming in like the next month right. um with the next like i guess 20 are uh coming the next year oh um, my gosh! okay yeah, good so, okay my
0: prediction wasn't too crazy yeah. then. all right good but
1: it's it's but it's exponential like it's yeah it's it's a little bit crazy and I mean, we're at a point now where we're at a build a build the stock strategy right. i have a warehouse in atlanta where i'm housing micro fulfillment centers just because <laughs> things happen and that's another you know a key point it's like uh the retailers need to underestimate they don't underestimate the um, what it takes to build a automated warehouse in the back of a retail store. <laughs> right. You know, it's, there's a lot of moving parts. But um,
0: But that's a key point, too, right? Like, you can actually move on this pretty quickly, right? It doesn't take long to build one of these things. Either. No, no. So, um, <clears throat> to build
1: it, um, we got down to, oh, I think we originally were like 20 weeks when we first were started. I mean, obviously, there's a production and manufacturing ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're down to like 13 weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really pretty mm-hmm. pretty good because mm-hmm. just we, we could build it I'm sure a little bit faster but it, it, there's really no benefit to go faster I don't think the mm-hmm. retailer and the general contractors could keep up with it mm-hmm. you know what I mean right, right. and you know as you're trying to source these locations um, it just things happen building right. permits and things like that so I think we're, we're in a pretty good sweet spot right now and then take off you know they have their commissioning ramp up which is mm-hmm. increasing let's uh, mm-hmm. say rapidly as well the, the, yeah. uh, the duration of time yeah. so but
0: yeah I think that's I mean that's that for me, I get asked, because I've covered, you know, I've covered this concept a lot in writing, uh, talked about Takeoff a lot. And I think what you just said there is really what I want people to know is what I have found so interesting about this is that it is a marriage between both these companies, Knop and Takeoff. And what I really love and the reason I'm so interested in is the philosophy. Like, I think we talk about a lot about MVP or knowing exactly what the use case is that you're designing for. And you can really see that in terms of, how I think both companies are working together to attack the market. Here's what we do mm-hmm. on on Knoop's side, here's what Takeoff does on their side. Let's go after this, find the use cases, and let's deploy. And in the background of that context, which is why I wanted to bring you on the show today, is there's a lot of research and development money that goes towards understanding exactly what all the ins and outs of that are. And to your point, which I thought was really well said, is that like it's a, it's hard for a startup to do that like that's yeah. a lot of money and a lot of investment when you're trying to find the product market fit for what you're trying to do at the same right. time so I think kudos it's going to be really interesting to watch what what else is on the horizon though I don't want to just i want to talk mm-hmm. about kind of everything here what else do you guys have planned as a company for 2020 that you're excited about?
1: oh wow um what what I can and can't share <laughs> uh, there, there's oh, a lot. give us it all, Bill. No, give us it no, all. I think I'd be making a career <laughs> move if I did that. I mean, uh, effectively, what what I think it comes down to um, is uh, the vision technology. Everyone talks about vision. Ooh, AI, okay. uh, on, I know you guys are are, okay. are, are are touching on that on the yeah, on, for on sure. The store, we that uh, inside closely. the store, and uh, you know the Amazon ghost tours. Yeah, you may have saw the articles that were circulating yesterday about the partnership with Covariant AI mm-hmm. uh, out of UC Berkeley okay. and Canop. It's been a hush hush. Um, the partnership and w- what we've been able to accomplish, the two of us for like robotic picking, has been something really uh, spectacular. Oh, okay. Um, you know, not going into too much detail, um, but we've effectively been able to pick a much larger assortment of, of articles, uh, depending upon packaging type. Mm. That we there was there was a lot of limitations in the past, mm-hmm. and it had to do with the vision piece of the equation. We you know, we were able to f- pick 20, 30 percent of the of of the SKU profile. Uh, now we're, you know, in some cases upwards of ninety, ninety-five percent. Wow! Um, you know, we're, we're we're testing it now, also in the in the, in the grocery sector too, and mm-hmm. uh, with very very favorable res- favorable results. Um, I think what what we're seeing happening though, uh, that it's the most the most intriguing to retailers is because of the way that the, the, the the neural network is set up for these robots, the need for master data goes away. Okay. Uh, what that means basically is I need, don't need to keep teaching in this this robot and with, uh, right, with our right, partnership, right. Um, we put data in the cloud, and what a robot picks in, let's say, USA, um, can now teach a robot yeah. uh, across the globe what, how to pick the article in the most efficient manner. Yeah. And what a remarkable idea. You yeah. know, th- no, no, inf- no private information is shared. It's just yeah. purely, here's this article, here's what it looks like, right. and, it te- and then the AI is like, hey, how do I, how do I orientate the gripper? And the more times yeah. you go to pick this thing, yeah the more effective the pick becomes. Yeah. And so you have this uh, this the, the use case I see for it, and it's not just on, on uh, centralized warehousing, but also in micro-fulfillment. Um, imagine if you could send everyone home and have this robot kind of build up orders uh, and stage them ahead of time for the ambient grocery, and then in the morning when everyone comes in, you can top off and complete orders, and you're ahead of the curve for like a, the immediate pickup, right? Right. And I think that you know, it's 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 going to be the collaborative uh, effort between the, the current team that's on site and, and this robot picking up the pieces and increasing productivity hours.
0: I love that. That was actually what you and I were talking before we started about just my trip to Israel recently. That was actually my biggest takeaway from my trip to Israel, too, is just how this works. Like, the more you do it, the more you learn. Yeah. And so... One, you've got to go experiment with this stuff. And two, from a competitive standpoint, you have to realize like if someone's out there experimenting with with any of these types of things that we've been talking about on the show or here today, like you're actually kind of behind the ball a little bit. Because yeah. the systems are learning. They're yes. getting smarter, they're better. And the yeah. more they're deployed, the smarter they get. And so you're just further and further behind. But uh, yeah, that's fun. That's like actually one of my favorite things to just get my mind going yeah, right. I, mean, I mean,
1: it's the, the whole, everyone uses the, the, the AI, it's, it, gets right. thrown, it gets thrown around yeah. too much. And it's, you know, it's it's one of those things I was telling you earlier about how much we invest in the software piece of the equation. And, you know, even now seeing the application for like the shuttle technology and the, the learning behind like slotting of articles right. and the predictive analytics behind that and knowing how to maximize the, the absolute throughput of that system and... Know, a- empowering on people on the local level to make decisions. That you know, it's it's very often my experience that sometimes uh, on the local level people are afraid to make decisions mm-hmm. for fear of uh, productivity um, degradation. Right. And having this AI that's behind us um, allows us to make informed decisions and create yeah. confidence in, in moving the business forward. So uh, I think that's that's definitely uh, the other thing that will uh, AI is touching for us right now yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, the visualization that the human brain allows being brought into processes and automation yep. and things like that yeah it's fascinating wow cool good stuff good stuff all right i'm pumped about this this one's gonna be a blast but we're gonna play now how millennial are you are uh, you ready for this
1: bill let's make it happen okay
0: i'm dying to find out where this goes all right so let's it's, is this gonna get
1: me in trouble let, with my wife at all it
0: hopefully 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 <laughs> okay. and definitely the people back at the office but uh <laughs> yeah. let's all start right. out with an easy one let's start yeah. out with an easy one all right, so, which we always do. And again, for those listening who've maybe never heard this before, but this is the game we play. And it's, again, not to understand how young you are, but really how curious of mind you are, because yeah. those are two very different things. So let's ask you this first. When the option is available, let's say you're pulling up to a grocery store. Are you pulling out a credit card? Or are you some, are you using some type of mobile payment, like an Apple Pay, Samsung Pay?
1: I'd say um, in the last 12 months, I'm <laughs> seeing... Uh, Eighty percent credit, eighty percent credit, really eighty percent mobile. And here's what it you're is. just
0: talking about: AI and computer vision. Here, hear and me out. Here's what automation
1: I, in, in Europe. It's <laughs> fun, in, in Europe when I travel over yeah. there, much easier, right? I it have is, my actually. I have my Apple Wallet, and mm-hmm. I just do my card, and, and yeah. I can go and, and get to get a taxi cab, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I don't think in the U.S. market we do a good job of projecting, saying, look, like, we can take mobile payment. I right. Mean, like, you have to, like, look closely to Yeah, this you're machine. always like, do you take
0: Apple Pay? Yeah. Yep. No, so yeah. We,
1: so we're programmed. I never yeah. understood why America lagged behind, you know, in this particular regard. But, yeah, so I, I'm seeing definitely an uptick with the apps and in the, in the, the the wallet, so to speak. Okay. But, yeah, I, I got a long way so to go. So you're prepping. You're prepping. You're getting I'm ready. Getting yeah, right, the... yeah, right, right, right. You're hedging. You're hedging. Ask me, ne- ask me next year. <laughs> <I> am, <though.
0: laughs> yeah, right? We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about that for everybody, actually. Um, all right, question two. How many times in the last... Let's say week. Have you ordered food, beverage, coffee from a mobile app?
1: Ooh. Um, I think on average twice a week now. Twice a week, okay. And it's usually which established to, f- to feed my uh, my desire of consuming Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A, <laughs> right?
0: Because you're out of Atlanta, right? Right. Okay, Chick Fil A. Right. I, I actually just went on record this year and said Chick Fil A has the best app, mobile app in the business. Would you? So do you agree with
1: I, that? I, I love the user experience. It's well, great. I mean, they were able to immediately get me to load the load my app with twenty five dollars and immediately getting a notification of a, of a of a of a benefit I'm getting, like it was like a Chick Fil A sandwich or something. And I'm thinking like, you know what? I want to go to Chick Fil A because I just want to scan my app now. Right. Like I, right. I find myself that and like, yeah. And my 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 kids love it. And Are you ordering you know. ahead too? I have have at the mall. I have. You have. Yes, which uh, I think is extremely great, especially on a Saturday. Yeah. You know, in downtown Atlanta, it gets a little bit hectic at the the Chick fil A stand, right? Like every other mall. Yeah. But anyhow, yes, I'm I, I'm a big fan of it. I think my wife likes the Starbucks one, but I haven't really jumped on that bandwagon. You
0: brought up so, too, I've never thought about it. Like, what is the actual amount people generally preload onto their cards? That's yeah. so funny that you said $25. i am a $25 guy, too, whether yeah. it's Starbucks or whatever. If I'm going to do it, like, that's why. Right. I'm, I'm curious what people do. I've never asked people that. But, yeah, I think that thing's great. The loyalty points are pretty... Yeah. The way the loyalty program works, too, is pretty awesome. All right, if you could only use... Get you out of here on this. If you could only use one... I don't know where this is going to go with you. If you could only use one social app, what would it be and why?
1: So I use two, but I'm, t- I'm trying. Okay. To I'm trying to think here. Like in the morning, what is my what is my routine and what do I check first? I honestly just think because I use LinkedIn so frequently and I'm connected, um, com- communicating on like globally on on you know con- for sure grocery concepts. I find myself going to LinkedIn. Is that the first one when you wake up? But I'm immediately like tr- trilling with with Facebook. I okay. am. I got my, my my stepdaughter. She loves TikTok yeah. and stuff. And I'm hearing that TikTok's the next the next thing, right? Yep. And I, I just can't get behind of me singing and dancing on TikTok. So
0: the world doesn't need that. No, the world doesn't need that. <laughs> no, doesn't need
1: that. <laughs> yeah, but you, you
0: well, you've got young kids too. Like Facebook. So like Facebook yep. for you. Yeah, it's, those are my two big ones. Like from a routine perspective. I mean, especially like having
1: it. family scattered across the country, like it's the best way for us to share kind of what's going on in our in our life, right? Yeah, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I really hate when people on like on the, the business like LinkedIn sharing like personal content and and, and opinions about politics, that's the one thing that just eats away at me, though.
0: That actually needs to stop. Yeah. Like, I think that's actually, we've talked about that a few times on the program where that seems like that part's getting a little bit worse. But but yeah, I mean, I think, gosh, you and I, because for those listening, we recorded this today at like 7.15 is when we started. And I think you and I were on LinkedIn talking to each other about 5.30 this morning or, or whatever it was on on email or LinkedIn. That's the beautiful
1: thing about working for a European company, they're six hours ahead. So uh, (laughs) uh, the emails are already starting to roll in.
0: You're up. And an engineering company, too. (laughs) You're up up. and you're on time. So that's fantastic. All right, man. Well, hey, I thought this was a really, really fun and interesting discussion. Tried to unpack as many layers to it as we possibly could, because I think there are a lot of angles to think about this. And there's just so much activity in this space. If people want to learn more about Canop, they want to get in touch with you. We always ask, like, what's the best way for people to do
1: that? Yeah, so you can you can always uh, do research and connect uh, connect with me through Knapp.com, kn- kn- dot com, com, or you can send me a, 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 an email at uh, William period Stenger S uh, T E N G E R at Canop com. And uh, if you're going to be down in Atlanta in March for Modex, we're going to be there. Um, I'll be there for the first few days of the show. So love to, to talk to you if you uh, got any questions and want to pick my brain
0: awesome awesome well hey man it's been awesome and for those listening too we actually have we have a video of this too because you're in studio you're here in minneapolis so we're doing this live And it's been an absolute blast thanks for sitting down with us again it's bill stanger director of food solutions for knop for everyone out there to all our loyal listeners as always